This is the Hope Church Mill Creek Podcast, and you're hearing the voice of lead pastor Josh Westmoreland. Hope Church Mill Creek is a church replant in the Hope Church family based out of Danville, Virginia. Our church specifically is in Roxboro, North Carolina, just about an hour north of Durham. Our family of Hope Churches has a total of 13 locations at this time along the Virginia-North Carolina border, mostly in smaller rural communities. Our uh, specific location has existed officially since January 22, when my family and I moved from Mississippi to lead this plant. We hope you enjoy this podcast and bring something away from it that helps you. If you do, it would help us greatly if you left a good review on Apple Podcasts or you just, you know, shared it. We wish you all the best, uh, grace and peace to all of you, and happy listening. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality to be with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven, and on earth, and even under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I'm going to pray. Let's switch the mics back. Let's have a word of prayer. Oh God, we need you today. Father, we don't know We don't know what people in this room have gone through this week. A lot of us come in with a cliche response because it's normal. We answer fine when people ask how we're doing. We make little jokes. God, there's some people in here that are really hurting and they need you. God, truthfully, we all are desperate. Even those of us that have walked with you for years, God, we get two, we get a step forward, it seems like we take two back, and we do well for a while, and we have a pattern of saying no to our flesh, and then 
we say yes to it and we're back in the pit. God, help us all to come together and unite under the Spirit of Christ and understand that we are loved in Jesus. Help us to look at Your, Lord, the, the pattern, the, the actions of Christ when He came to this earth and He humiliated Himself all for the sake of love. Help us today. Be with us as we dive into this most important Scripture. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, if this is a hymn of Christ, a song of Christ, um, can you put up the breakdown? It's like, I think it's four things I've got written down if this is a song of Christ or something like that. Um, if this is a song of Christ, this is my own words here. I think there is a melody of descent. You know, a lot of us, we, I think most of us, we want to do better in life, do we not? And so then we eye, we eye things that are decent and noble and good. We eye career moves and we eye, we eye job moves and we eye how can we do better in our family, et cetera, et cetera. And we want to ascend and do better. And I think that's great. But with Christ, this was the opposite. This is a melody of descent, like the tune that flows through is Jesus went down, down, down as far as you could go from the throne of glory to a slave, the form of a slave. And as in slave, me and you, we are slaves to our flesh. We are slaves to physics even. We have limitations. But Jesus descended. And if there's a melody there, there's also, I think, a harmony of empathy. There's something that God's been dealing with me here, and He's dealt with me for years, but I feel it creep back in over and over again. And that is, He reminds me that I don't understand. There's very little I really, really know. So sometimes when I go off and I preach, I, I, I preach unapologetically the truth. But sometimes there are platitudes that could stand to not be said. And all that I'm saying is, a lot of times your pastor doesn't understand. Because I'm a guy. I'm just a normal person. Well, maybe not normal. Very, actually, ab yeah, I'm, I stuck my foot in my mouth. But I'm just a human being. But Jesus, part of the reason He came, He came to redeem us. But in doing that, He walked a mile, rather, 33 years, if you want to use that metric, in our shoes. Do you think that he came to empathize and sympathize with human beings during that time? And there's also a rhythm of sacrifice. We see it all through his life. Jesus sacrificed just to be with us and to be with people that hated his guts, knowing that he was involved in the creation of those people. And he, they hated him. And there's an overtone of humility. Man, to go down and to humble yourself to the most humble servants. That's tough. If we could look at the first part of this in Philippians 2, in verse number 1, and here's the questions. If there's any encouragement in Christ, 
Let me ask you all, let's ask us all today. In the prelude of what we could say is this song or this hymn, is there encouragement in Jesus? If it's a question, if it's a conditional question, is there encouragement? Like, because you are in Jesus, because you have come to know Jesus, has he encouraged you or has he put courage in you? Right, whenever we get our eye on this world and surviving in this world and saving my job and saving my family and saving this situation and manipulating this and manipulating that, and that is something we can do. We put things together and so then we start trying to control things like a witch with her cauldron. And my friend, that is not the right thing to do. The thing to do is to be encouraged in Christ because of where you are going. Where are you going? Where am I going if I am in Jesus? Heaven. Can I be encouraged to do the right thing like we talked about last week? Man, God's convicted me of another thing this week. Preached this sermon last week. I know it was strong, difficult in some places. And just like God's Word will do, it will go out, but then it will come right back. Man, God convicted me of some areas in my life that I said, hey, do what you need to do, not what you want to do. And then God's ringing some bells in my mind. Hey, there's some things that you don't want to do. You going to do them? I don't want to. Hmm. Isn't that just like the Spirit of God? Is there encouragement in Christ, church? Yes or no? The next question, is there any comfort from the love of Jesus? Right? We all want to be loved. Does anybody not want to be loved? Does anybody say, you know what? Forget love. I hate love. I don't want love. We all want love. We seek it in the wrong ways many times. We seek it in physical intimacy that's not correct. We seek it from people that we don't need to seek it from. I think we seek it a lot of times from social media. We look for our little notifications and we look for shares and we say, look, 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 there's love. Look, they love it on me. That ain't love. Well, man, I got to be careful with that. I've been thinking a lot about that this week, about how a lot of times we're manipulated and a lot of times we are the product on social media, not the actual product, but we are the product because anyway, I don't want to go down that track. But is there any comfort of love from Jesus? Can we be comforted by the love of Christ? Yes. Do we have any participation in the spirit because of Jesus? If we didn't have Jesus, we couldn't participate in the spirit. Like we said last week, the Old Testament prophets, if they could have seen ahead in its full, if they could have looked at us today and said, wait a second, you mean to tell me the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in you? Their minds would have been blown. That would have been like, no, 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 
No, the Spirit of the Lord comes, He inspires, and then He leaves. No, no, no. Because of the man named Jesus, we now get this give and take, this talking back and forth, this participation and conviction of the Spirit of God inside of us. That's mind-blowing. Can we participate in the Spirit because of Jesus? Yes. Well, is there any affection and sympathy from Christ. Do you think Christ is affectionate towards you and me? Do you think He cares about you and me? Do you think He's sympathetic towards our position, towards our brokenness and our fallenness? Is He sympathetic and even empathetic towards me and you? The obvious answer to all these questions is what? There's no no's here. So Paul's not indicating, you know, I wonder if. No, he's putting an obvious yes. It's a conditional question. Hey, hey, church, he's saying to the Philippians, hey, if there is any encouragement in Jesus, if there's comfort from love, if there's participation in the Spirit, if there's affection and sympathy, then do this in verse number 2. Complete my joy being of what? The same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. How many of us are guilty of looking out for number one? All of our hands. Every one of us. So let each one of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. I think what Paul's doing is he's, he's kind of like, hey, is there this? Is there that? Okay, then one, two, punch. Bam! Now you need to be in the same mind. Can I ask you, Christian? If there's encouragement in Christ, have you encouraged people to follow Christ? Are you encouraging people to follow Christ? Are we going to get to the end of our life and say, God, I've... I've uh, I've gained enough property. I've gained enough stuff. I've risen high enough in my job. I am complete. I am good. And all of it will burn. Christian, are we encouraging people to follow Christ? Or rather, are we sitting on our hands? And are we tightening our lips saying, I, I'm just afraid. I get it. We all struggle with it. If anybody says I don't struggle with fear because of I feel like people reject or people look at me weird, man, we're lying. We all wrestle with it. We all sit on our hands and we wonder, man, can I really take this next step because potentially I could lose some friends. Is Jesus worthy? Is he worthy for the weird looks? Is he worthy? that you might suffer for His cause? If there's participation in the Spirit, then are you encouraging people to participate in the same? Are you showing love and sympathy and empathy towards people who need to follow Christ? We know this because many of us experience it. How many of us have experienced we walk into a church building and we immediately become aware that, oh my word, I feel like I'm like way down here and everybody else is up here. How many of you have ever had walked through that before? Okay. 
We all have. And if you've been around a while, you come to understand that that's not right. Like there's something very wrong with that. But we've all felt that way. But man, as Christians and as pastor, as a pastor, we ought, we, we ought to follow truth. We ought to be in truth. But man, so many times when we are separated from people who are really down in it, we develop kind of a righteousness complex. Like, hey, I'm good. And man, those people down there. Is it ever like that though? Should it ever be like that? We should walk with people in sympathy and empathy. So if that was a prelude to the song, in verse number five is the first verse of the song. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in who? Christ Jesus. Now that's a short first verse. But it's what we just talked about. Have this mind in you. How is that uh, possible? Like I said, it's a short first verse, so it goes right to the chorus. Look in verse number 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, this is one of the things that people debate. Well, what does that, what does that mean? I actually think it's helpful to go. There's another version I'm going to pop up here. Look at it. It's, it's kind of from a negative side. Uh, the uh, little on-screen Bible, Philippians 2. Look at the way the New King James has it. It goes like this. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it, what's that word there? Robbery to be what? Equal. All right, let me ask you all a question. Open field. What's robbery? Stealing. Say what? Taking what's not yours. Anybody got something else? All right, so taking something that's not yours. Stealing. That's a weird word to put in there, but I, I think it's pretty good. Who being in the form of God, he didn't consider it like he was stealing away from God to be equal with him. In other words, you know what that means, y'all? Jesus was equal with God. And hear me out, church. If you're ever under somebody that denies the deity of Christ, that says, well, Jesus was partly God, but Jesus wasn't quite to the level of God, that is what you call heresy. Get away from it. Jesus was as much God as the Father and the Spirit are God. So to steal away from God, it's like, I don't, I don't consider it to be robbery because Jesus is God and Jesus was God. But now this is the most debated part. But in verse number 7, He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. And this is what people ask. Whoa, 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 whoa. If Jesus was God, and it said... He emptied himself. Well, then question marks start popping up like, okay, wait a second. If when Jesus came to earth, he emptied himself and he stopped being God, then when Jesus died, Jesus died. What, what the, how much sense does that sacrifice? Because if Jesus just became a man and not God. Do you see the conundrum? So, we're going, to use, we're going to look up two words real quick. 
Um, the kanao, kanao. So that word just means to make empty. And there's, there's some other definitions there too. I wish I'd have put those up. But it just means to make empty. So it's like, well, Josh, there's the case right there. It said he emptied himself. But I actually think the key is in another word. It's the word morph or morphe. So anybody uh, ever hear of the mighty morphin Power Rangers? You hear about them? Right? Anybody watch that back in the day? What was your favorite ranger? Which one? Green? <laughs> White? So, in our, in our modern culture, the word morph, morpho, morphe means this, to change shape. It's a shortened version of metamorphos or metamorphosis, right? So think of uh, what animal comes to mind when you think of metamorphosis? Butterfly, butterfly exactly. So what happens with a butterfly? Starts off as a little larvae, like a little mushy little larvae, right? And then he goes into the what? The little cocoon. He stays in there a little while. And then when he breaks forth, what does he break forth as? A butterfly. Now, is it the same animal? Kind of yes and no, right? It's like it's got the same DNA. It never changed its DNA. But did it emerge in a different form? Yes, that's the way we look at the word morph today. Like morph is like, hey, the morph is the change. But actually, the, we've changed that word over time. The word morph here is exactly that same word for the word form in the Bible. When it said in verse number 6, for example, who though he was in the, what's the word? Form of God. And then in verse number 7, but emptied himself by taking the what? The form of a servant. That's the word morphe. And you know what that word means? Biblical, it means form. It means shape. It means outward appearance. So here's, I think the key is right here. Well, did Jesus empty himself of all his godlike qualities? Here's the thing. When Jesus came to the earth, when it said he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, he didn't think equality with God was a thing to be grasped, imagine God coming to earth with all, with all of his glory and not concealed at all. There are many times in the word of God it says, if you can't even look at God in all his glory and do what? You can't even live. So there had to be a concealing of what God was or people would just die. And so we had to change form. And that's what I think when he emptied himself, what he did. He didn't stop being God or the cross didn't mean anything. He was continued to be God, but he also veiled himself as a man. I think it would be helpful to, let me show you something. So I brought something for you today. Um, this is a painting that uh, I, my Ty, can you come up here and hold this? I'll show you all this painting. Um, can you you got that or do you need help? You got it. You good? Okay. <laughs> You're concealing. So y'all see that, right? Um, this is a painting my my mother gave to me. She actually got it years ago at a yard sale, um, and then put it up. In her, in her dining room, and I was like, man, I want that someday. And I just, 
I'm hinting and hinting and hinting and hinting. I'm like, oh, I would like to have that someday, Mother. Mother, I would like to have that. Boy, I just can't wait till I get that someday. Man, I'm looking forward to the time. And wouldn't you know, she eventually gave it to me. Man, <laughs> she's so benevolent. And I love this painting because, like, I just, I, I like art anyway. So you get, like, an oil painting. And, man, you see this dark landscape, right? And it's, there's snow on the ground, and I don't know if you can see it from back there, but there's a little older person right here. They've got a cane, they've got their winter coat on. There's a little house that's half covered in snow that's got the chimney going. Maybe this is a barn over here. What I see in this is a character who's, you know, they've, they've had property, and they've, they've worked the farm, and maybe they've raised kids, and they've had a good life, but just like the picture, their sun is setting, and it's getting colder. And it's getting darker. And they're walking their farm maybe for one of the last few times and they're just taking in what has happened. I see stuff like that in art. Now imagine this. The person who painted this. Imagine if they connected with this painting so much and what it represented that that artist actually didn't just paint the painting but they went into the painting and became a character in the painting. Well, that's odd. Because one, that can't happen, right? I mean, you've got to have some supernatural activity to have that happen. I mean, if an artist were to just go into the portal of this painting and become a character, they wouldn't be able to move, would they? They'd be constricted and they'd be limited by the limitations that this two-dimensional painting has and they couldn't really do anything, right? Friend, this is what Jesus did when he came to the earth. You can put that down. <laughs> when Jesus came to the earth, you're talking about the creator, the designer of time and space and matter coming from outside of the creation, outside of the limits, and limiting himself to the actual art itself and saying, I will, I will be obedient to the laws of physics. I will be obedient to these magistrates and they don't even know who they're talking to when they're taunting me and they're hating on me and they want to kill me. They don't even know that I could snap my fingers and 10,000 angels rush in and wipe them off the face of the planet. They don't even know, but I'm going to be obedient to them. I don't have to. I could just stay up in glory and say, forget all y'all. You've all turned your backs on me. You've all turned your backs on your creator. You all think you can just make your own rules and just live all, you know what? Just stay there and die a sinner's death and burn up for eternity. You are the ones that turned your back. But did he do that? No. He humbled himself. And man, even at the cross, taunting him, they're pulling his beard out, they're piercing his crown with a crown of thorns. Man, at any moment. But he became so obedient to the creation, he even allowed them to kill him. There's a hymn, an old hymn by Charles Wesley. Called in, can it be? 
He left His Father's throne above. So free, so infinite His grace. He emptied Himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all immense and free, O oh, praise my God, it reaches me. And if you're familiar with the song, this is the crescendo of the song. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? Why would you do such a thing? I have made you ashamed. I have made me ashamed. I have done all these things in secret. I've talked about people, even the people I love behind, my, behind their back. I've snapped at people I care about. I have made all sorts of damage. And yet you would come and die for me? The crescendo of the song is found in verses 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above what? Every name. So get this. At the name of Jesus, at the name of Yeshua, at the name of Christ, every knee should bow. Did you get that? Every single knee will bow in heaven. So the saints that are already there, they bow before Jesus. The angels that are, that are there right now, they bow before Jesus in heaven and on the earth. So everyone that believes now and everyone that says, I don't believe now, and they take the non-belief to their death, eventually they will bow. And even people who are, it says, what does it say? Under. Who do you think that's referring to? Even those that are under the earth will bow. Did you know that Mussolini will bow someday? Did you know that? Did you know that Hitler will bow someday? We stand before God and we're proud. Man, I love the psalm that says the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing. But it says later in the psalm that God laughs in them laughs at him and says, <laughs> yeah, you're going to, you hate God, okay. You're going to bow. I want to read you um, a song. You ever heard the song, Is He Worthy? So I want us to do this at the, at the end of this time. There is, um, if you go ahead and put up the first verse, do you see the, uh, the parentheses there, we do? If you've ever heard the song, you know how it goes. It's like the, uh, the, the I think it's Tomlin maybe, who sings the verse and then uh, the crowd joins in. We do. So I would like for us to do this. We're only going to do the first and second verse in the chorus. So I'd like for us to do this. With all the enthusiasm we did with the, uh, with the karaoke earlier. So let's try this. I'm going to ask you a question and then you answer it. Do you feel the world's broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish, and think about it, do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. 
Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Think about it, looking around. Hey, it, is anybody out there? Is anybody worthy? Is anyone whole? Is there anybody that's not broken the laws of God? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and then open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and all honor and all glory? Is he worthy of this? Yes. Let me ask you again, church. Is he worthy of this? Yes. Is he worthy? Yes. Is he worthy of you bowing and submitting to Jesus? Yes. He is worthy. He deserves his name written on his thigh. He deserves his crown. He deserves his eyes. In Revelation it says his eyes are like a flame of fire. He deserves that authority because he went from glory, his preexistence before the world ever was created, to his incarnation in the earth, to his obedience to the laws and even the obedience to death. And when he arose and walked among men for a while and then he ascended to heaven, because of that, he's worthy. Now it's time to stick it to you and me. I want you to imagine. You know the person we've talked about here before? The person in your life that you just uh, don't get along with very well? Nobody has that person? You have a person in your life that you just, when you see their car in the parking lot and you drive up and you're thinking, please don't be here today. Please don't be here today. And you're just thinking, man, it's going to be a good day if they're not... And then you drive in the parking lot and you're around the corner and it's like, Does everybody have that person? Yes. Everybody have the person when they get around, it just like, just grates on your nerves, right? Difficult to love at the very least. This is hard to say. Sometimes that person, because of things that have happened, is a co-worker. Perhaps it's a, maybe even a parent. Maybe it's a son or daughter who's actually hurt you really bad over and over and over again. Maybe it's even your spouse. Because you've not communicated for so long or there's been a lot of water under the bridge and bad blood. You're cohabitating, but you're just living. Now, I want you to picture that person. Everybody got that person, whoever it is, the top person. Don't think about it too hard, but the person that comes to your mind when we say all this. Everybody got the person? Yes or no? Okay. Hope, hopefully you do. Now, if you would go to the, the last little screen there that has the writing, 
the writing and stuff on it. I guess they all have writing on it. <laughs> How do we follow Christ's example of humility? It's actually the next one following that. This is what you would pray, and this is what you would do. Everybody here with me? All right, so imagine this is you saying this. Following Christ's example and by the Holy Spirit's enablement, I will reject self-seeking glory and vain pride. And I will strive to humbly regard, put the person's name in there, I will regard that person as more important than me. Rather than constantly looking out for my own interests, I will also look out for the interest of and put their name in there. How many of us, if we did that, and hopefully you did, is it gonna, it's going to be really hard. Now, take in mind, this does not mean that you don't create boundaries in your life. Matter of fact, it's healthy to create boundaries in your life. And if somebody, you know, is just encroaching and, and you know, there, there are times to create boundaries. But I'm talking about the person that you know is hard for you to love and you know that God is pushing you to show a little love to. Is that going to be easy for you? No. Is it what Jesus would do? Is he worthy? Yes or no? Hey, thank you so much for listening. It, it means the world to me that you would take the time to listen to our sermons. If, you, if you'd like to connect with us, shoot us an email at office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. That's office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. Or just come by for a service in person, 1030 a.m. Sunday mornings. Address is 1562 Mill Creek Road, Roxboro, North Carolina. Uh, I would love to meet you in person. And um, I guess that's all for now. So don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcast if you would, kindly. We pray that you'd have a great day. Uh, For Hope Church Mill Creek, I'm Pastor Josh. Grace and peace.